Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. For those who do want to give to the uh, Operation Christmas Child, um, and we are continuing... Uh, this series. We're actually going to wind down this series that we're doing on First Peter. Uh, but before we do, um, I, I just want to remind us of who this is addressed to. But if you have your Bible, go ahead and pull it out and turn to First Peter chapter 5. Uh, and what I'm going to do is kind of read all the way through First Peter chapter 5 in just a minute. And, th- and then we'll go back and, and, and talk about it. But I want to I remind us who this is written to, because sometimes we forget, all right? So 1 Peter is written to Christians, first and foremost. So uh, it's written to, and and Peter has diligently reminded people that it's written to people who are filled with God's Holy Spirit, right? Uh, The whole thing is about reminding us who we are in Christ, even when we're going through hard times. So we can't take this and try to make it apply to people that are not filled with God's Holy Spirit, because it's written to Christians, but it's also written to Christians who are suffering, right? These are people who have had their homes uh, destroyed. They've they've been run out of their country. Uh, These are people who have had their family members killed just because of their beliefs. So they're dealing with a lot more than what we're dealing with today, right? But the other thing is it's also written to Christians who are not suffering as a reminder of who we are in Christ. So for those of us today, if we're not going through trials and tribulations, this still applies because at some point in the future, when we go through any type of uh, suffering, whether it be medically, financially, uh, dealing with a government that we don't like, whatever the case is, uh, this will still apply, okay? Uh, and this kind of um, complements what Mark spoke about last week, the fact that no matter what, God is always going to be with us. He knows everything that we're going through, and he'll always be there for us, all right? So if you have a Bible, pull it out to um, 1 Peter chapter 5, and I actually left the Bible I need down here, so let me grab that quickly. All right, 1 Peter chapter 5, and in 1 Peter chapter 5, I'm going to try to read all the way through this without making too many stops. Uh, Verse 1, it says this, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. Okay, I lied. I need to stop for a minute. Okay, so the word that he uses for elder, because a a lot of people confuse this and think because the word is, it's the word presbyteros, which we get, you know, the Presbyterian denomination from that. They think that he's just talking to specific people who have a specific role in the church, which is not the case. That, that, that word does mean, you know, presbyteros, and it's been uh, a position, but it literally means someone who is an elder uh, or, or who has age and who has wisdom. So it's not an elder like we think, the elders in a specific role in the church. And we know this because later he's going to tell those elders that they should have a role as overseers, and then he's going to contrast it. I say this to the elders, and then he's going to say, I say this to the young men. All right, so to the elders among you, the older, the aged, the wisdom people, uh, he says, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Again, reminding them that Christ is coming back. 
to these elders, he says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, that's Jesus, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away again, reminding us that, hey, Christ is coming back, again, reminding us that we are eternal beings, and again, reminding us this is not our home. This is not our permanent situation. And then he contrasts it. He says, young men, in verse 5, excuse me, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. And then to all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And again, to all of you, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. And again, to all of you, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And again, to all of you, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. And then he closes with this. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. This whole letter is an encouragement in the face of suffering, but also a testimony of God's grace poured out on the faithful in spite of their suffering. And then verse 13, she who is in Babylon chosen together with you sends you her greetings. So does my son Mark. Greet, another, greet one another with a kiss of love and peace to all of you who are in Christ. So he starts this portion of his letter as he closes down uh, with a reminder, first and foremost, to the elders, uh, to the wisdom, to, the, to those of you who have some, sorry, let me rephrase that because I have some too, uh, to those of us who have some gray hairs, who have been through some stuff, who have lived a little bit of life, he tells us that we're supposed to mentor and minister to the younger folks, right? So, so here's the deal. When, when try to say this nice, when these young, quick to jump in and do things without thinking, you know, let's cancel everything, younger folks jump out and do things without thinking, those of us who are a little bit older and wiser are supposed to say, wait, 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 wait. Let's think this through. Let's, let, let, let's kind of step back. And he says, first of all, you know, uh, uh, to serve them. Uh, he says that we should be shepherds to them. But then most importantly, he says that we're supposed to be an example to them, right? So when they go out, you know, the younger generations, are on their high horse and want to riot, break down, cancel, blah, 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 do all this stuff. It's the older generation, the elders, 
we're supposed to step in and say, you know, maybe we should take some time to think about this. Or, just, this is just, just throwing this out there, the most basic question, are there going to be consequences to your actions? I mean, that's the best wisdom that any older person can give to a younger person is, hey, I can't stop you from doing that, but are there consequences if you do? We are the ones who are supposed to step in and say, hey, maybe think about that, right? Uh, and, and it's not us kind of trying to lord it over them. It's not us trying to um, uh, tell them, you know, well, back in my day, this is how we did it, because how many people have heard, you know, your parents and grandparents told us back in my day. It's, it's us saying, hey, you know what? We may have done it differently in my day, but can I give you some advice on how you can deal with what you're dealing with today? That's, that's where we need to step in and we need to be there for them. And then the message for all of us, that's for the elders to the younger. Uh, and then he tells the youngers, uh, and I'm looking at, you know, all the younger generations, hey, maybe you should submit to some people who have already been where you're trying to go. They might be able to help you get there or might be able to tell you about some roadblocks that you're going to experience and might need to prepare for. And then he says to all of us, and this is important, be humble. Don't be anxious. How many people have some anxiety about everything going on in our world? Pandemic again. You know, Christy and I were having a conversation about what are we going to do for Thanksgiving? And honestly, we don't know because the government hasn't decided what's going to happen. You know, even if our state says, yeah, just be careful. The state where our families are might be like, you can't come in here because <laughs> you're from Pennsylvania. So we have no idea. And a lot of families are kind of up in the air. So there's a lot of anxiety. But he says, don't be anxious, right? If we're the church, hey, you know what? No matter what happens, God is going to be faithful. And here's what he says, and this is really important. Uh, he says, be alert to the enemy. There is a very real enemy. Satan is, is not some myth that a bunch of, you know, old ancient people came up with. Uh, he is a very real enemy. And he says that Satan's desire is to devour us. That word devour means to, like, consume and, 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 and destroy. That's what Satan wants to do to us. There is a, and there's a lot of Christians out there that's like, well, there's no such thing as Satan. I'm like, sorry, how can you believe in God? And God says that there is, and you say, no, there isn't. And one of the, one of, one of the, trying to not get on a soapbox here. One of the things that has just, for me personally, annoyed me throughout this whole election thing is that Satan has not had to do any work. Satan has literally like been on a beach sipping Mai Tais on vacation while the church destroyed itself over political stuff. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, at least he should have to work to try to destroy us. We shouldn't have to do his work for us. But he says, uh, be on alert for this. And then he says this. This is, this is uh, really important. I'm going to put this up here, and I'm going to put it in a, a message version. He says, keep your guard up. You're not the only ones plunged into these hard times. It's the same with Christians all over the world. And I get we're in a pandemic 
and we're, we're, we're kind of have been yelling at each other about this election because we feel like whoever is the president is going to get us out of it. But do we understand that there are countries all over the world going through the same pandemic? And they're not like, we hope that, you know, Biden or Trump can get us out of it. Do we, do we understand that uh, right now, I think, and, and I forget where, but in the Philippines, I forget specific if it, where it was in the Philippines, but they just went through a tsunami again where whole towns were not flooded. They no longer exist. They're gone. That they have no food, no drinking water, no, no, no bathroom facilities. Do, do, we, do we understand that there are people in other countries that have it way harder than we do? And this is not to take away, this is not to take away from, you know, the, the, the struggling that we see in our communities and in our schools. And, and I, got, I got to share the story because there's still the struggle. Some schools are closing again. Some schools are opening again and all this stuff. Um, how many people, you know, that old saying, like your parents told you, we used to have to march, you know, uphill in the snow to school, yada, 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 all that stuff. And you, yeah, okay. There is literally a show. What is the name of it, honey, Christy? What is it? I forget. Uh, a show called, I think it's called The Longest Way to School or something like that. Is that it? The Most Dangerous Way to School. Where it is literally about people, not in our grandparents' day, but today... The way that these kids go to school, at first she, she put it on, and I was like, I don't want to watch this, but I was like intrigued because the, the very first one I saw was three girls, nine, seven, and four. The way that they get to school is they get into a, I think it's like a 300-pound long rowboat that has holes in it. They row through a river with snakes and crocodiles, and, and because it has holes in it, one's steering, one's rowing, and the four-year-old is like with a bucket, a little plastic bucket, trying to keep them from like drowning and, and, and doing the water out. And then the bad thing is the last like 20 minutes of their trip, it poured down rain on them. And then once they got to the side of wherever they were going to, they had to pull, they spent like 10 minutes pulling this 400-pound this is like a nine, a seven, and a four-year-old girl pulling it up onto the, 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 the land so it didn't get washed away so they could have a ride home. They were covered in mud, just covered in mud, soaking wet when they got to school. And here's what, this, this, this is like mind-boggling. They pay for this. It's not, it's not the free public education system. They pay in order to go to this school. And, and I get that we're like, hey, we have, you know, the school should be open and the school should be closed and they should be playing sports. But do we understand that there are so many places in the world that have it way worse than we do? We have got it so good. I want to share, and I've been sharing with you throughout this series, uh, um, uh, Open Doors USA, an organization that works with the persecuted church, people around the world that are literally being persecuted just for their faith. Uh, and this is another one that they sent me. Um, this one was from October 13th. Uh, the mother of Ethiopian sisters, these are not their real names, Fatuma, 19, and Amina, 16, never told their daughters that she was a Christian. So this is a woman who was a Christian. 
didn't tell her daughters that she was. If her Muslim husband discovered she had renounced Islam, he would likely divorce her or worse. So for her safety and her children's, she hid her faith but continued praying for her family in secret. Six months ago, the sisters came to Christ. They tried to keep their faith from their father, but despite their best efforts, he found out, took all their belongings and kicked them out of the home. This is not something that most of us have to deal with. We might get our parents mad at us because we tell them, hey, we're of a differing faith. Uh, they, 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 they might take away our car, but they're not going to take away everything we own and then put us out on the street. We're not suffering to the degree that many people in many places uh, in the world are experiencing suffering We've got it really good. Now, this whole series, right, the whole book of 1 Peter, uh, I'm going to summarize it this way. This is what Peter has been trying to reiterate to us. Again, it's to Christians. If you're a Christian, we answer to Christ, right? We don't answer to a political party. We don't answer to a nation. We don't answer to CNN. We don't answer to Fox News. We don't answer to Facebook. We don't answer to Twitter. We answer to Christ, period if you're a Christ follower. But we should all live for Christ. That means we're supposed to live out uh, uh, the word of God regardless of, of what we're going through. We're all supposed to live for Christ. And then he says, we will all be judged by Christ. Believe it or not, uh, I know there's this thing that, oh, well, I'm a Christian, so God has already judged me. That's true. But as a Christian... God has expectations that we're supposed to meet. He's going to ask us, did we live our lives for Christ? He's going to ask us, did we share the gospel with peoples in our circles of influence? He's going to ask us, did you do the things that I called you to do? Did you use the gifts over and over throughout the gospels? There's accounts where Jesus, you know, gives this parable about how someone was given gifts and they didn't use them. And there was a consequence for that. So if God has given us gifts, his expectation is that we're going to use them. If we don't, there's a consequence for that. At the same time, we should be examples of Christ, older to the younger and all of us to the non-Christians. Non-Christians shouldn't be able to look at the church and say, wow, they're hateful, divisive, racist, hypocritical, angry people. That's not the example that Christ sh shows us, and it's not the example that we should show the world. But we should also all live for Christ even while we're suffering. Even if we're going through financial hardship, even if we're in a global pandemic, even if the candidate that we want uh, doesn't stay in the White House or doesn't get into the White House, no matter what, we're still supposed to live for Christ because our mission doesn't change. And I'm going to close with this because Paul, in his letter to the Romans, puts it this way, and this is, this is just great. It is the complete Jewish Bible version, so this is the way the Jewish mindset would have received these verses. I don't think the sufferings we are going through now are even worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us in the future. There is absolutely nothing 
that we are experiencing. This is written by someone who's been whipped, who's been jailed, who's been put in prison, who's been beaten for his faith, all that and more. And he says that I don't think these sufferings are even going to come close to what God has in store for us. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. God, we just, again, we lift up the church. We lift up your people. We lift up all of those who are experiencing suffering in your name and pray that you would encourage them. Pray that you would show us how we can encourage them and be there for them. We lift up all the people who are called by your name, who are maybe not sure how to live out their faith, maybe not sure how to share their faith. Pray that you would give them the wisdom and insight they need to do so, as your word says, with gentleness and respect. God, most importantly, we pray that we would be, again, and we've said this over and over, your voice of hope your voice of peace, your voice of unity, and your voice of reason to a world that is experiencing suffering, pain, chaos, anxiety, and uncertainty. And we pray that we can be that voice, not because we have something to say, but because your Holy Spirit gives us the words to speak. And we pray that regardless of denominational affiliation, regardless of political situation, regardless of what community that we are in, that that voice would be one of unity from all of your congregations. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said amen. 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 We hope you enjoyed the message. If you did, please leave a comment on our webpage crossroadsofjeffersonhills.com or our Facebook page. You can also join our Sunday celebration every Sunday at 1037 a.m. We look forward to hearing from you online or in person. Thank you and God bless.